You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code Vox MMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. All right, everybody, it is Thursday. December 22nd, 2022, and it is indeed a heck of a morning. Live on the MMA Fighting Twitter spaces, you can hear the show in its entirety shortly thereafter on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network. I am Mike Heck, checking in with all of you while taking some time off. Just got back from Massachusetts last night, where it was friggin' freezing. I should have known since I've lived there for over three decades that it was going to be freezing, but after living the high life, so to speak, in South Carolina, where it doesn't get cold all that often, it is kind of chilly here. Uh, It was, it was a shocker. You may have seen the video of me tubing. It was freezing, windy. It was everything that reminded me why I wanted to move away from there. Uh, But it was a lot of fun. Got to have a nice family gathering on Saturday to celebrate the holidays. All my brothers were there, cousins, aunts, uncles. My parents flew up from Florida. My oldest brother flew up from Dallas. I haven't seen him in over two years. So it was nice to just get everybody together. Got to meet up with some friends that I haven't seen in a long time. Uh, Went back to the old radio station where basically my broadcasting career began and Met up with those guys and gals. It was just, it was a fun five days, but back in South Carolina, uh, doing some work today, wanted to do this show. Uh, my best friend, AK, and I are going to reunite for a special BTL podcast. In a couple of hours, we're going to record that, previewing the MMA Fighting 2022 year end awards. We're going to sort of give our top fives. 
of our nominees for the awards are going to be giving away. We'll react to some other stuff that's going on in the world of mixed martial arts. So that will be fun. And then I will be doing some stuff for our award show, which will, I believe, be launched on YouTube and the podcast network on Tuesday, the 27th. So that should be a lot of fun. And this time, I don't know if you guys remember last year's award show. I will not be in the shadows of a weird spot in South Carolina where you just see kind of the the glare of me and nothing else. So it'll be better done on my end and because you all deserve that. But we're coming off the final UFC events of 2022. I will admit I did not watch a whole bunch of it. UFC Vegas 66 because there's a lot going on. Uh, I had that family party that I just mentioned, but Jared Cannonier defeats Sean Strickland. I did watch that fight very close. I scored it for Cannonier 48-47, but it was a very, very close fight. Armand Sarukian sweeps the scorecards against Amir Ismagulov, and that's one of those fights where I felt like my prediction was pretty spot on, but at the same token, Amir Ismagulov is a, is a bad man. That guy is really, really good. Sarukian just out-wrestled him. Just kind of outstrengthen him on the ground, but Ismagulov is is the real deal, man. The guy is the real deal, and it's one of those fights where if you look at the scorecards and then you watch the fight, it, it's just so much closer than than the scorecards give it credit for. Uh, good finish for Amir Amir Albazi. Kind of saw that one coming. Got it done in the third round. Alex Caceres, incredible head kick knockout and finish of Julian Arosa. I got to say, didn't see that one coming, but if you're going to beat Julian Arosa, you got to get it done in the first round because that guy is just a absolute maniac and gets better as these fights go on. Drew Dober, what a finish of Bobby Green. Bobby Green was looking really good in that fight, and then Dober catches him with that left hook, and boom. Dober's uh, going places these days. People are starting to really recognize how good – he's not just a, a fun, entertaining fighter. Maybe this guy can – make a little bit of a run. I don't know if we're going to see a world where Drew Dober fights for world titles, but he's going to be fighting some ranked guys, that's for sure. Mikhail Alexeychuk, good finish. Corey McKenna, upset win over Cheyenne Velizmus. Matthew Semmelsberger beating Jake Matthews. I have to say, if there's one result that I didn't expect, it was that one. Jake Matthews, I just thought this guy was on the road to becoming maybe a top five guy at 170, and Matthew Semmelsberger said, uh-uh, Mike, you're crazy. Saeed Nurmagomedov, great comeback win. Choking out Saeed Yikub Hakramanov. Good win for Rafa Garcia. Manel Kapp continues to get victories. Sergei Morozov, nice win. And Renat Fakradinov, I can never get that name right, uh, beating Brian Battle pretty convincingly. So not a bad card. The main card was was certainly better than the prelims, but from all indication, but I did watch a few of the fights. I watched probably the last five fights, but saw some highlights follow along with MMAfighting.com. All in all, pretty solid end to the year. And then it's on to 2023 for the ultimate fighting championship. And it's on to a more expensive year for UFC fans. As we found out yesterday, the UFC raising their pay-per-view prices yet again. In 2023, beginning with UFC 283, which goes down January 21st. I would love to say I'm stunned by this development, but I'm not. 
I saw this coming from a mile away, but those of us here in North America, for those of us who have ESPN Plus, we ain't paying $74.99 anymore. We're paying $79.99 now, and they have like taxes and fees attached. So we're going to be sniffing 85 bucks a pop for these pay-per-views all in. It's tough, man, and I've been saying this for a long time. The fans of mixed martial arts are probably the most passionate fans because it is probably the most expensive sport to follow throughout the year. And it's not just the UFC. It's everybody else as well. It costs you money to watch pretty much every single promotion. If you want to watch a lot of regional MMA, you got to pay the UFC Fight Pass $9.99 a month, which actually isn't that bad, if we're being honest. If you want to watch the UFC, the Fight Nights, you want to watch PFL, that's $6.99. I would be stunned if that price doesn't go up either sometime in 2023. Bellator, it's anywhere from $7.99 to $10.99 a month if you want to get Showtime. And yeah, man, and the PFL's doing pay-per-views now, and now the UFC hiking up their pay-per-view prices again, another 5 bucks. I mean, for me, it's tough. I also work in the space, so it's doesn't it's not the worst news in the world for me, but for you guys, man, I feel for you. I feel for you. Another five bucks. It seems like it's, it doesn't seem like five bucks is a lot, but five bucks is a lot, man. Seventy nine ninety nine plus the fees and everything. Golly, we're it's gonna cost you if if you buy every pay per view in twenty twenty three for the UFC. It's like 1100 bucks, like just under 1100 bucks for the year. That's wild. It's crazy. So I, I, I feel for the fans. I, I feel for everyone who has to pay that money. And hopefully maybe the, the fighters will get a couple of extra bucks. <laughs> but we know that's not going to happen. So, all right, let's go to you guys. Let's get your reactions to whatever the hell you want. Also, I wanted to throw out if there's – a certain award that you feel should be given out from your end. If you have a fighter of the year, knockout of the year, you want to think outside the box. You want to do some like high school superlatives, if you will, most likely to succeed, whatever, throw them out here. Let's have some fun on this Thursday. So I don't even know who was first. So I'm just going to go with the first person that's lined up here. It is Mikey bats. Hi Mikey. Oh shit. I'm first one in line. I was like, prepared to like wait a couple of minutes just to get my thoughts in order but hey good morning everyone how's it how's everyone doing we're good man how are you all right doing all right okay i just wanted to clarify what i'm about to say is mostly in jest because i do uh, as an MMA fan i do understand and it is sucky that you know corporations will gouge fans of whatever but i will say this i do find it funny that mma fans were complaining about the ufc pay-per-view price hikes are suddenly are also probably still supporting the Cleveland Browns. So please don't act like you suddenly have standards. Um, <laughs> and two, for some of us uh, MMA fans who have been basically been um, <clears throat> streaming fights for like 20 years, you you guys know the pay-per-view prices have never affected you. So don't pretend it affects you now. So, yeah, that's basically most of what I got to say. Um, can't wait for that Ryzen card. Rising Bellator card just to get that off the bat, and uh, yeah, that'll be it for just this point. Like I said, mostly in jest. It's it Disney, that's what happens when the UFC signed with Disney. You just knew it was going to happen, 
you knew they were going to ask for all that freaking money. They were going to gouge you for hell. I mean, hell, at this point, I want them to just do what the WWE did. Just create, just make Fight Pass a full-blown thing. Have people pay like 15 bucks for the subscription and stream every pay-per-view on there. Just fucking do it. I don't know why they're not doing that. So, anyways, that'll be all. Be kind to one another. See you guys around. I mean, I'd love to live in that world myself, but it just ain't going to happen. It's it's it, it kind of sucks that it ain't going to happen, but I mean, look, I, I don't blame the UFC for this. This is this is clearly an ESPN call. It's a supply and demand call. The UFC doesn't give a crap anyways because they're getting that ESPN money and all the pay per view revenue is just cherry on top of the Sunday for the UFC. And this is probably just a way for for ESPN to recoup some of that money. Now I'm sure the relationship has been very good for the for ESPN as well, but. Look, if they can get an extra 200,000 people to pay an extra five-plus dollars every single month, that's a, that's a tidy little sum right there. So, yeah, it's, it's rough. I, I feel bad for you guys and gals for sure. Yes, the Rise of Bellator card is, is very awesome. Uh, I will be back to hopefully cover that one live for the website, and I'm very excited for it. It should be a lot of fun. And I just want to say this real quick because I, I see some I see some of the hipsters out there. I see you. I see some of the hipsters out there. If you're giving away awards now before the end of the year, you're giving away UFC awards. You're not giving away any anything else. It's just not true. In fact, look, I understand that the Bellator Riser card is going to be great. It's going to be fun. But – it's the holiday season. We're taking time off. We got like two weeks to go. I'm not saying we're ignoring it for awards. It's just not going to be part of the 2022 awards. It will be the first events for 2023 for us. So if this, if this card absolutely kicks ass and we have the knockout submission fight of the year, all from this card, they could all win in 2023, but it's just not going to be a part of this year's award cycle. That's all. That's all. It's Okay. We're going we're gonna to re- recognize it. We're just not going to recognize it this year. Because technically when it's over, it's going to be 2023 anyways. Right? Depending on where you're at. Because it's a late night one. It's New Year's Eve, but it's like super late. So technically that event's going to be going on in 2023 anyways. So there you go. But we're not going to forget about it. If it's, if it's deemed worthy of awards, we will... They will be nominated for the 2023 awards. Don't you worry. We got your back. Let's go to Tom. Hi, Tom. Hey, what's up, Mike? Glad you had a good trip. I, uh, I head back home to New England for the holidays later this week, so I'm already prepping for that cold weather. I move south as well, so it's going to be quite the shock going back up there. But uh, I just kind of wanted to ask your opinion. Uh, obviously, we had some awesome fights this year. What are your top three fights you're looking forward to in uh, 2023, man? Top three fights in 2023. Uh, I mean, Makachev, Volk has got to be one of them. I will say, just because I'm a positive guy, I'm going to... I'm going to say Ngannou versus Jones. I hope we get to see that. I feel good about it. Not 100% convinced it's going to happen, but if I had to bet like a small sum... I'd feel confident betting that that fight will happen at some point in 2023. Um, 
And I'll probably go with Connor and Michael Chandler. There's no way that fight sucks. <laughs> like, you might be sick of Chandler. You might be sick of Connor. But when those two dudes, if they book this fight and they put it all together and it happens, I mean, that fight is just ridiculous. And it's got to be super fun and compelling and entertaining. What else do we have that's kind of on the books? I mean, I'm like Edwards Usman, if it happens, is going to be good. Um, yeah, there's, there's a lot to like. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely interested in Bo Nichols' debut in March when that happens. And I'll throw – I know you said three, but I'll add another one. Um, I'll watch Figueredo and Moreno fight forever. And that might be – it could be the last one between those two guys. I'm not convinced it is, but it could be. So sign me up for that. But there's, there's a lot of good fights in the books, and we'll see what March looks like. We'll see what the rest of the pay-per-view calendar year looks like, and we'll see where they end up going this year. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And new customers to DraftKings can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Mitchell, hello. Hello. So I don't yep. know if you've touched on this already, but I just wanted you to get your um, views on what Dylan Dennis and Ariel Hawani's like, situation from yesterday. And, like, I've seen a lot of people saying that um, Dylan Dennis was disrespectful towards Ariel, but kind of, you knew that was kind of coming because they've had a bit of back and forth in the past. And also, I just want to put up my like moment of 2022. It was Edwards' win against Usman. It was so shocking. And I'm from the UK as well, so 
it, you, we felt that effect over here, like the biggest like sporting achievement this year in the UK, and just it was a, just such a good comeback and as well. It was just perfect. But mainly, I wanted to know your views on the Dylan Danielson aerial situation yesterday on aerial show. Thank you. Thanks, man. Yeah, I agree. If, if, if we're giving away an award for like the moment of the year, it's definitely Leon Edwards. It has to be. That's, that's, that's going to be, that's a top five moment ever. It was just everything that it, it just all came together perfectly from the way the fight was playing out to when it happened in the fight to the commentary, John Anik saying what he said after Dean Thomas said what he said and Rogan said what he said, it's just all. And then the foot upside the head, everything about it was just, it was just a perfect moment in time for the sport. It was just incredible. So yeah, that's definitely the moment of the year. There is no second place. Um, There should be no other nominees that that's it. It's a runaway. I did watch a Large portion of Dylan and Ariel. It was, it, it was, I laughed a lot. I laughed a lot. Uh, and, and it was kind of what we expected. Like the last time Dylan and Ariel talked, it was, it was pretty similar. Both were kind of going back and forth at each other. Ariel calling Dylan out on, on, on a lot of the BS. Dylan trying to one up Ariel, but failing miserably. And this is a lot of the same stuff. The best line throughout was Ariel's sunglasses line. That was freaking hilarious. I was on the airplane watching it, um, and I, I, I laughed. Where he said, there, there's two types of people who wear sunglasses indoors. You're either blind or you're a fucking asshole. Oh, God, that was glorious. But, yeah, I mean, it, it was what I expected. It went a little, little longer than I thought it was going to go, but it was pretty entertaining stuff. And even after watching all that, like I know Ariel said towards the end that him showing up on the MA hour and talking about the fight with KSI makes him feel slightly better that he thinks the fight's going to happen. But I ain't convinced that that fight's going to happen. I will believe it when both guys are in the ring and a punch is thrown and a punch is actually, you know what? When a punch is actually landed, then I will believe the fight's happening. And until then, I don't believe it's happening. But we'll see. I, like, I don't know if I feel bad for Dylan or not. Like, there's a small part of me that just feels bad for him because I think he's just, he's just a lonely dude. And maybe that's just, like, how he acts. I, I don't know. But it's got to be tough for this man. Like, I know he's, a lot of it has to do with how he acts and things he said and things he's done. But it's got to be tough, man. Like, you can't even – like, this guy can't even go out and, like, grab a couple of beers with his friends without someone trying to step to him. And like I said, a lot of that has to do with him. But there's a part of me that, like, as a human being, I just kind of feel for the guy. Because I, I, I do genuinely think, like Ariel said yesterday, that there is a good person inside of this guy. It's just not there. It's just been kind of washed away by this persona and everything. I don't know. It's just, it's just weird. Because there's like a part of me, it's just like, this guy's a dick and I just want to see him get knocked out by KSI. But then there's like the human side of me that's like, he can't be this bad. Like, he just can't. No one's this 
this much of a of an asshole. It's just not on purpose. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I just look for the good in people a little too much. But that's kind of what what I gather from all this. But it was entertaining. Ariel Ariel verbally whooped up on him, but Dylan is who he is. And I'm like I'm curious to see what this guy's the rest of this combat career is going to look like. Like, will he fight in MMA again? Will he fight for Bellator again? What happens if he actually beats KSI? I mean, that would just be probably the funniest thing that could ever happen. But that's if that fight actually happens. And I just don't believe it's going to. But we'll see. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. But it was a lot of fun. If you haven't watched that interview, go watch it because it's hilarious. Let's go to double A. What's up, ma'am? Yep, we're good. Good. That's good. Um, first off, I just want to say um, I'm disappointed that um, Paul Acosta and Rob Whitaker is no longer happening. I mean, I was actually surprised because, you know, this was so, I, I sort of expected to go the way that, that you see. Um, negotiations happen, you know, with the rematch, you see a great week of. So I just expected that the same thing to happen with Paulo. Um, actually, to, to give like an award for something for, for this year, I'll be, I took USC 279, craziest fight we'd get the year. That just made no sense whatsoever. Um, and it, it didn't, even though I had the stomach flu at the time, it just didn't feel real at all. And I think that's all I've got, man. Everyone, have a good day. Have a good day, too, Mike. And happy early holidays, everyone. Peace. Same to you, my man. Um, yeah, it kind of stinks we're not getting Whitaker, Costa. But at the same token, let me really play devil's advocate a little bit. I don't think, and maybe this is a hot take on my end, uh, and, and let me just preface this by saying I completely support Paul Costa not taking this fight for the reasons that he's not taking this fight for. Dude deserves more money. He wants it. UFC ain't budging. He's just like, fine, I ain't going to give you your fight. Having said that, this fight, in my opinion, is not competitive at all. I think Whitaker just whitewashes him. I think this is what the UFC wanted to do in the first place because it was the last fight on this deal, and they wanted to send this dude out on a loss. And if he did, if it was somewhat competitive, then they could try to up the ante a little bit. But I feel like the UFC knew that they're probably not getting this guy back. I think Paulo kind of sees the writing on the wall. And I don't think Paulo does very well against Robert Whitaker. I just don't. I think Whitaker would have would have smoked him. I think he would have dominated. I don't think this fight would have been competitive at all. So all in all, I think this probably works out great for Paulo. Um, he's got the support of a lot of people. I know some people are kind of bashing him and calling him names, but those people just do that anyways. But the dude should be making more than 70 and 70. And for a fight like this, that clearly favors Robert Whitaker. If you want to put Paul in that position, pay that man his money. He didn't want to sign a long-term deal. It's kind of an innate situation, but not as, not as dire, but yeah. And, you know, Paul's talked about having like a ticking clock on his current contract. If that's true, you just wait and you get the PFL on speed dial, baby. Cause that's where you should be going. You should be going to the PFL and trying to make that milli. 
Apparently, PF, PFL will probably pay him a lot more than the UFC is. So, yeah, this is these types of things are what the PFL needs to monitor for the next like three to four months. They need to monitor these types of situations. They can't cross any lines, but they need to at least somehow find out what they need to do to lock up guys like Paul Acosta and other potential free agents who have some name and have some value. But I think the I don't know what I don't know if the UFC Paul Acosta relationship is over, but it's sure looking that way. And we'll see where it goes from here. And I agree with you, UFC 279. That that Friday before that card was the craziest day of my entire career. And yeah, definitely the craziest fight week of all time. Hundred percent. Well, not of all time, but at least of this year. Aaron, hello. So, Mike, I got three things to get off my chest. Okay. Uh, okay, the first one is, like, how, how do you think Raul Rosa is going to do in the UFC? Uh, he's talking a big game, thinks he's going to be champ, but how do you think that's going to, like, go for him? And the second thing is, um, oh, yeah, how do you think Darren Till's going to do in his UFC career? I know it's, like, he's young and stuff, but, like, how do you think he's going to do going forward? And the last thing is, the, you made fun of me uh, last time for even mentioning this, but... How do you think Nick Diaz is going to do on his comeback? He wants to be champ. I think he's going to be champ, but I don't know. Uh, Merry Christmas, everyone. Thanks, man. I don't know if I made fun of you. I don't know. The Nick Diaz thing, again, I just, I don't really want to see him fight anymore. Like, like we've seen it. We've seen it. Now, if he wants to come back and just do like a fun fight at 170 with, you know, a Tony Ferguson or a Joe Lozon or somebody of that nature. Cool. Like I'm, I'll, I'll watch it, but I, I know I got sent some, some of the transcripts of an appearance he did. And he said, he wants to fight Usman and, and some of these other names and stuff or Adesanya or whatever. And I'm just like, yeah, no, I don't want to see that. I don't want to see that. But if Nick wants to come back and do one more, if he wants to do it, it really is in on it. Throw him in there with the wild, with another vet and just, just have some fun fights. Like, I'm cool with that. Darren Till, man, what an interesting career this guy has had. I, I don't know what it is. Like, I honestly don't know what it is. You can see the skills are there. It's a, like so much mental with him. I just, if he's staying at middleweight, it's not going to go well. To me, the best thing he can do is heal up, spend a year just working on nutrition, working on getting into the best shape of his career, and focus on getting to welterweight. I don't know how well he does at 170, but if I'm Darren Till, if I'm the people that are in his ear, if I'm a mentor of Darren Till, I'm telling him, you got to try to go back to 170 because this 185 thing, it just ain't working. You just, you're outmatched, you're outsized, you're outstrengthed, you're out athletic. The athletes are just way better at 185. And all those are just, all those things are against him right now. There's, there are very few like ranked 85ers I would give Darren a chance to beat right now. And Drickus Duplessis was probably like, I picked Drickus to win. I picked him to finish that fight in the third round. I actually, maybe I picked him in the second, but I felt stylistically. If there was any matchup 
in the top 15 at 185 for Darren Till that he could do well in, it was that one. And he still didn't win it. It was a fun fight. That second round was amazing. And like even the end of the first, but he was just too, he was just too outgunned. Too out muscle, too out strength. 170 is like the best place for him. He's one of those guys that's a tweener. If the UFC would add those extra weight classes, if they did like 175, Darren Till would probably be perfect for that weight class. But I think he needs to find a way to get to 170. And Raul Rosas Jr., it's just, it's so early to tell. The foundation is there. I mean, this kid has skills. There's no doubt about it. He's a machine. But I, I just, I got to see more. I, have, I, I respect Jay Perrin a lot. I've been following that kid's career. The fact that he made it to the UFC is, is, is a huge victory for a kid like him. Um, I like Jay. I have a ton of respect for Jay. The kid has so much heart. Uh, but Raul Rosas just kind of ragdolled him and, and beat him and, and tapped him. So it just depends. The UFC, for as much as I applaud the matchmaking in a lot of cases – and once in a while, they develop storylines extremely well. When it comes to developing actual prospects, they stink at it. They are not good at it. Now, once in a while, like a Hamzat Shemaev will come along. He's not even, I mean, this, he's kind of a prospect, not really. But Shemaev, like, did a lot of that on his own. The UFC put him in a position to succeed. That's different. But when you have a kid like this who has a lot of promise, who got a big rub right off the bat, it's so important that the UFC match him, make him correctly. You can't just chuck him in there with top 15 guys right now. I don't care what he wants. I don't care what he's looking for. I don't care what he says. Whatever Jay Parrott is, you take like a half a step up. That's how you book him. You got to get this kid wins, and you got to get this kid experience. Because if he loses anytime soon, it's got to be bad. Like, it's got to be bad. So you have to book this kid to look good. You got to put him over. You got to give him, like, the patty treatment. Next couple of fights, you got to give him lower-ranked guys that he should beat convincingly. You got to get him over. He's over now, but, like, don't throw him in there with Jonathan Martinez next or even, like, a Chris Gutierrez. Like, don't throw him in there with, with any of those guys. No, don't throw them in there with like the Adrian Yadises of the world. None of them. Whatever, wherever you rank Jay Perrin, maybe like one fighter up, two fighters up. Let this kid get experience and let this kid get wins. That's how you, that's how you do it. But if they, if they chuck him in with somebody too quickly, it's, it's not going to go well. And you don't want to stunt this kid's growth. And who knows? He might not even be a Bantamweight. Like in three years, he might be a featherweight. I think he pro- his future is probably at 145. But for the time being, if, if you're fully invested in this kid, you got to book him right. Don't do what you did with Chase Hooper and chuck him in there with Alex Caceres in his third fight. Don't do any of that. That's just terrible. Don't do that. But a lot of excitement with this kid. That's for sure. I'm excited to see what he does. We're going to go to Viking MMA. Hi, Viking. My friend, Mike. How are you? I'm fine. I just want to tell you about before, always wear a helmet before you go for the ski. Because we all know about Michael 
Schumacher and what happened with Michael Schumacher. So that's that. And I just want to know about the uh, fight between Tyler Santos and Aaron Blanchfield. So do you think UFC they are fast? That Aaron um, Blanchfield, Aaron uh, Blanchfield has been fast track or? It's a good matchup for her. Thank you, Mike. That was kind of a like I don't know I don't know if I'm like shocked at that one. And I'll just say, uh, yeah, I don't ski very often. Uh, I haven't skied in probably ten years. Uh, the video you saw was me tubing, so I was like snow tubing on a pretty safe track, so uh, no one no one really falls. Uh, my goal was just to hit the fence, the little bounce off fence. And I did it the first run, uh, but I couldn't get back up there again, but, but I appreciate the concern. If I did ski, I'd probably, uh, I wouldn't wear a helmet, but I ain't hitting the, the black diamonds. That's, that's for sure. Yeah. Tyler Santos, Aaron Blanchfield, kind of a stunner. I, I mean, I guess like my first reaction was what do they have planned for Valentina? Because I know Manon Fioro's hurt. Are they just gonna chuck her in there with Alexa Grasso? Like what are we gonna like what are we gonna do? Are they gonna give her the Nunez fight? That was I think that was like my first reaction to all of it. And then I kind of looked at the matchup and they are it, we were just talking about up slowly, but at the same token, Blanchfield's had experience. She's been in there with UFC level competition even before she got to the UFC. And let me just pull up. Let me just pull up her uh, her UFC resume to this point uh, because she's fought like she's fought legit people. She's fought legit people, at least in my she's won seven in a row. So in her UFC run, like she fought Sarah Alpar, that fight kind of went the way most expected it to. I mean, she beat her. The two eye-opening fights for me, one was the Miranda Maverick win because so people are so high on her and people are still very high on her and she just dominated Miranda Maverick. J.J. Aldrich is a very solid hand. Like, I don't think J.J. gets enough credit for how solid of a hand she is. And J.J. looked pretty good against Aaron. Aaron was able to bounce back after a tough first round of kind of getting pieced up on the feet. And ended up stopping JJ, and then she gets this big spot with Molly McCann, and she just she just destroyed Molly McCann. And now she gets this opportunity with Tyler Santos. This is the UFC saying, "This girl's ready. Let's just let's just give it to her." And I know, and I'll say this: Aaron is Aaron has a great team behind her. She's managed by the great Orrin Hodak, who is fantastic at what he does. Aaron, Orin's a realist, and if Orin believed that this was too much for her, he would probably just tell her, but I don't think he feels that way. And it's a, it's a compelling fight. And I don't think a loss hurts Aaron all that much here. Like, I think at 23 years of age, with the wins of the caliber of opponent that she's had, especially in her last three fights, I think she's ready. Like, I think she's ready for, for a step up like this. This is a little sooner than I would have liked to have seen. I would have liked to have seen her. Like, the, I like the Andrea Lee idea. 
Uh, I know Andrea went a different direction, but like somebody like that made a lot more sense to me. But hey, if this is what she's getting, this is what she's getting. And I can't be mad at it. I'm intrigued by the matchup. And if Aaron Blanchfield goes out there and just ragdolls Tyler Santos, holy moly. But I think she's ready for it. And if she loses, so what? Take a step back. She'll get back. 24 years of age. Wins over Maverick Aldrich. Those two in particular are really impressive wins. The McCann fight, I totally understand why the UFC put that one together. I totally understand why Blanchfield was such a huge favorite in that fight. But that was a get-her-over moment, 100%. And if Molly won, Molly would be getting this fight. Or maybe even higher. Maybe Molly would have just got a freaking title shot. But I got, I understood completely why they made that fight with Molly McCann. But February 18th, it's going down. And I'm stoked. Very intrigued. That's, that's, that's one of the more intriguing fights on the, on the docket. Tristan, hello. Hey, Mike. How's everything? Good. Here yeah. we go. Uh, yeah. In regards of Aaron Blanchfield versus Talia Santos, I mean, again, I'm, I'm going to AK where I would have been, I would have been conservative with her still because she still hasn't even fought a five round uh, main event yet. I mean, the fight against Santos is going to be three rounds. So, I, I mean, I get it. I understand if she loses, it doesn't really hurt her, but I, I'd rather her. I mean, I would want her like, to her to fight Vivian or, or Rosa, but Rosa's fighting. Um, Amanda Hebas and or um, I just I wanted her, I just wanted more like two more fights give me like I would wanted her to fight Je- Je- Jennifer Meyer because my Meyer is hard to finish I wanted to see her against that have her fight Jessica Andrade for crying out loud flyweight I, I wanted to see that just just a couple of you know just to build that resume of where okay I've been through the murderous kind of a little bit of the murderous row and now I'm ready for um, ready for Santos but again. To counter that, which you're right, if she loses, it's not going to hurt her. She could fight um, fighters like that later on down the road, possibly if she loses, because those are the fights I want to see her in. Where now it's getting now it's getting because once you get to the top five, it's, it's no joke, man. It's just murderous rows. So, but we'll see. Other things I want to get towards, um, I wanted to uh, talk about as well. Um, the did you? I don't know. Did you watch? Uh, Ariel speak to Harry Prohashka. The question I have on that is um, so he talked about because Ariel pressed him on it twice. Was it his decision to vacate the belt? And it sounded like through his mannerisms and the way he was talking about it, I don't think it was his decision to vacate the belt. I think it was the UFC telling him, yeah, you might have to vacate the belt, which is kind of odd to me because you didn't, because I don't think you did that to um, Francis Ngannou. You didn't ask him to vacate the belt. Or if you did, he said, absolutely not. I'm keeping the belt. And they had to SQS to his uh, his uh, decision to keep in the belt, especially coming off knee surgery. So he was able to keep the belt, but Yuri wasn't able to keep the belt. You suggested that he should vacate it. I don't know. I mean, listen, I don't know. I, I'm possibly wrong. Maybe it was like, you know, you're right. I, it was his decision. But, I mean, I don't know. I feel like the UFC put pressure on Harry to vacate the belt because I don't think he should have. Now it makes clear. I, I kind of agree with New York Rick 
that shouldn't never vacate the belt. And I think he didn't want to. I think he wanted to keep the belt. Because look at what we have now. We have this mess. Now, you know, but it is what it is. But I, I just want to know your thoughts on that, that whole situation, with that dynamic of what what was going on there. Um, another thing that I wanted to talk about is your review on your thoughts on, because on Armin Sarukian versus um, Demir Ismagulov, I had no problem. Jed Mishu was, was kind of criticizing Armin of not doing more when they were having those grapple exchanges. I didn't have a problem with it because I know how hard how hard it is to get Demir on the ground and to try to, uh, you know, put a lot of ground and pound and, and things like that. It's a hard fight, man. You got you got to let that slide with Amir uh, with uh, Armin, man. To even 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 the fact that Armin was able to get him down was uh, a success in itself for that to happen. So I had no issues with it. He did what he had to do. That's a hard fight. It's it's just a hard fight, you know. So I just kind of want your thoughts on that. And another thing, I I think my category I would like is uh, 2022's most underrated fighter. I gotta go. I gotta give it to Bilal Muhammad for what he's done, beating Sean Brady and Vicente Luque in the same year. I think he's been he's underrated for this year. So that's my 2022 underrated UFC fighter of the year. Thanks, Mike. Um, that's all I got to say. Thanks. Thanks, man. Hey, it's not a bad pick with, with Bilal Muhammad. I'll start with the Yuri thing. I mean, I'm, I was kind of like 50-50 on the whole thing anyways. I, I just didn't – I didn't understand why he was just like, Hey, for the for the sake of the division and its fighters, I'm going to vacate the title. It just doesn't make a lot of sense. Now you can't compare it to Francis. Francis is a different story because of Francis's contract situation. He's the champion. He's got the champion's clause in his contract. It's supposed to run out in January. And if they stripped Francis of the title or made him vacate, then he's just like, "All right, deuces, I'm out of here." You know what I mean? It's different with Yeri. What I think, what I think this Yeri thing is like. It reminded me of when the Red Sox and Terry Francona parted ways because Terry Francona was the head, was the manager of the Red Sox and they won a couple of championships and they're not going to just, even though the Red Sox signed Carl Crawford and Adrian Gonzalez and all these guys, and they should have won the world series that year. And they just pissed it away with some bad managing and just some bad play the Red Sox weren't just going to fire Terry Francona. They brought him into the office and they said, hey, why don't we just say that we're going to have an amicable parting of the ways or that you have decided on your own to, to leave the team. So we're not going to just publicly fire you. We're just going to, we're going to let it be known that like this is your decision. And if you don't want to do that, then we'll just fire your ass. And I think this is what kind of what that is. I think this is the UFC being like, we're going to strip you of the belt, but we don't – we want you to look good in this situation. So why don't you just – we'll just present it like you're making this decision for the sake of the division. I think that's how this played out. I think this is a conversation and you're just like, fine, like good pub, good PR. But this is like a manager getting fired, but they – it's like Tom Coughlin. Like Tom Coughlin when he was coach of the Giants sucked. He sucked as a head coach after they won those two Super Bowls. He was horrible. But even then, it's just like they let him go on and on for a while. And then eventually they're like, all right, we're just going to – 
quote unquote amicably part ways. When at the same token, it's just like you, you're out of here. Not that that's the same, but it's kind of it's kind of like that. That's that's what the situation reminds me of. Just like yeah, we're stripping you, but let's give you some good pub, and we'll make it seem like this is your decision to to vacate the title. So that's what I think. And with the Sarukian thing, I thought his performance was great. You could also tell that the Gamrot fight was in his mind a little bit as well because he didn't want to get. S- he didn't want to get sucked into like a ton of crazy scrambles and lose position and stuff. He learned a lot in that Gamrod fight. He learned a lot. Win or lose, no matter how you scored it. And Ismagulov, it's hard to look good against that guy. It really is. So I heard about Jed's comments. I don't agree with him. He's I've seen I know he says he's kind of soured on Sarukian a little bit. I don't agree with that. I think this guy's only gonna get better. That's a tough ass fight. And I'm curious to see what he gets next. I just, again, when you go from Gamrot and you feel like you won that fight, you headlined an event, and then you get a super tough fight with a guy who's ranked behind you because so many people ahead of you turned you down, where's the motivation? Like, where's the motivation? There's got to be a part of you that's just like, oh, all right, I guess this is who I'm fighting. And it's a tough fight. The, re- the risk is high. The reward is little. Tough spot for Sarukian. I thought he... Clearly won all three rounds, and it was just, it was a tough fight. And Ismagulov's stock rose as well with his toughness and his grit. But Sarukian's the real deal, man. And Ismagulov probably beats a lot of the guys in the top ten as well. So I, I'm not souring on him at all. I was impressed with I was impressed with the performance. wasn't didn't blow the doors off anybody. But when you're fighting a guy like that, you go out there and you just try to get the dub, and that's what he did. Uh, King Zab, hello. I don't hear you. Try again, uh, King Zab. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's go to Ani, and then we'll go to Max, and then we'll go to Anthony. Ani, you there? What's up, man? It has. How are you? Yes, it's nice. It's a bit cold and chilly over here in London. Um, so, wait, what did I want to ask you? Yes, so, you know, when I look at this year of uh, MMA in 2022 in general, uh, we've had a lot of moments, but I feel like we've witnessed so many instances of certain fighters who are at the cusp, 
who were at the cusp of becoming greatest of all time in their respective divisions or maybe even in the sport but then just when they are about to get it they get knocked down you know things like kamaru usman and uh, i know I- i'm not comparing him to gsp i'm just saying that in, when you just think about it people were considering him to be one of the greats um, you know people are still considering him to be that and then he gets beat by leon and then you look at um, izzy uh, he's nowhere near anderson silva but we can agree that he's the second best middleweight of all time and had he beaten alex pereira he would have come you know at least a little one step closer to uh, you know becoming greater than what he already is but then as and when they are at that cusp they get knocked down and rose i believe rose has beaten each and every strawweight champion to ever exist in the U- ufc except for carla and she has beaten all of the champions twice had she beaten carla and then some way if carla esparza came back for a trilogy she'll be the only person in the history of mma to beat all the champions in the division twice now that is some great greatest of all time stuff but we didn't get to see many fighters uh, achieve that greatest of all time stat- status it's like you know there are all the other mma fans who were watching when gsp was active and john jones was active i can't believe i'm saying that that you know here is the goat we are witnessing the goat in action but i believe we are in that era in terms of alexander volkanovsky but it, it's not looking good against islam man i mean i just want to see a fighter ascend to the goat status in featherweight he absolutely here is the greatest of all time in my eyes at least i mean jose aldo respectfully i think beating max holloway three times the way he did two times the way he did uh, i think he deserves to be there but yes that's what i have in my mind and also can you please give us an update on tatiana suarez and one last crazy question it's not crazy ufc is crazy the if you remember close to ufc 281 when someone asked dana white what's going on with the brazil card and he said we're working on it and then after ufc 282 he just advertised the exact same card without any work so what were they working towards so they they must have been working towards something that did not materialize do you have any inside information on that yes this is what i had these were the thoughts from you know 2022 and i hope you enjoy wrestling a lot more hmm. thanks man yeah i try and but not going well honestly um 283 i honestly i have no insight to this whatsoever um i don't know what they were working on my guess is that they were going to try to get a man and nunez on that card in some way i don't know if they're going to try to get her versus valentina but i think trying to get a man on that card probably would have been a pretty damn good thing to get the brazilian people hyped up for the ufc returning there for the first time since the pandemic started but honestly, i don't know, like i have no idea like, i don't know what else they could have done to really improve this card 
Even like like who in who would Nunez fight? I don't think it would have been Shevchenko. Like, do you chuck her in there with the Rini Aldana? Like, I, I don't know. Or let me let me look at this real quick. Uh, I'm missing. I'm, there's another name that's slipping my mind. Norma Dumont, maybe. Like, I don't know. Somebody like that. I, I don't know. But that would have been my guess. They were gonna try to get her on that card somehow. The the goat stuff. I can't give it to Volk yet. I I just can't. Like he's of all the fighters that you listed, I think Volk probably has the best chance of becoming the division's goat. But it's just it's just tough, man, because he just hasn't fought enough guys. Like even during this title run, and th- and this is why I had I've had no issue with Volk saying I want to go to 155 because this division just hasn't brought forth fresh competition for him. Holloway's been the dude, like literally since he's won the title. Won the belt cleanly in the first fight. Then they run it back again because Max is a long-running champion. And that fight was super close. It's one of my favorite fights ever because it's just so good. I scored it for Volkanovski. Every time I've watched it, I've scored that second fight for Volkanovski. And then they fought the third time, and it was just a complete whitewash. One-sided. One of the best title defenses I've ever seen, honestly, uh, from start to finish. Volkanovski, Volkanovski's had two fights this year, and he was perfect in both of them. He won't say that, but he was perfect in both of them. Against the Korean Zombie and Max Holloway. He's perfect in both. But there's just nobody else. And what the UFC has done, and while I applaud matchmaking a lot, their featherweight matchmaking has been atrocious. It's been awful. Because you have these guys who are potentially next in line and they just chuck them in there with Max Holloway and Holloway beats them and it's just like, all right, well, I guess Holloway's still the number one guy. That's why I don't want Max Holloway anywhere near Arnold Allen. I don't want that. It's a cool fight on paper, 100%. But with what you're trying to do with this division, throwing Arnold Allen in there with Max Holloway is a horrible idea. Because I'm not saying Arnold can't beat him, but what if he doesn't? Then you're just like, oh, we're back in the same position we were just in. We just killed off another potential contender and another potential fresh, intriguing matchup for your champion. So that's why like, I'd rather see Ilya Taporia fight Arnold Allen. Because no matter what happens, you get a fresh face, you get a fresh number one contender... And we get to move this division along. Now, I know Volk's going to have to fight the winner of Emmett and Yair, potentially. But I also believe this, too. If Volkanovski beats Islam Makachev, him being the featherweight champion makes no sense. It literally makes no sense. Why, why would you try to defend that title still? Like, I understand you want to be... You want to be active and you want to be the dude. I want, I want to defend both belts. I want to be the guy who can do it. I get it. But the biggest fights for Volk, if he beats Islam Makachev, all the biggest fights are at 155 for him. All the biggest names are at 155 for him. And guess what? If he beats Makachev, he's beaten all of those guys. He's beaten Chandler, Gaethje, Connor, all of them. He's Poirier. He's beaten everybody. He's beating every single one of them. And he's going to make a big, huge bag to do it. So, but I agree, like, Usman, Usman's probably the second best welterweight of all time. 
he was still a long ways to go from to, to reach GSP. And Adesanya, probably the second best middleweight of all time, still had a long way to go to reach Anderson Silva. But here's the thing. Neither of those guys are out of the out of the discussion just yet because they lost. I thought it was like I thought for Usman it was a little more dire just because he talked about going up to 205 and fighting Canelo and doing all these different things. I felt like the loss is a little more dire for him than it was for Adesanya. But just because Usman got kicked in the face and he lost doesn't mean he can't get it back and win a few more fights. Because guess who else lost? GSP lost. GSP lost to Matt Serra, one of the biggest upsets ever. And then came back and won the belt back and ended up winning the second title. Like The door isn't closed on either of these guys becoming the best of all time in their divisions. The road gets a little longer. But just because they lost doesn't mean they can't still get there. But yeah, the road gets certainly a little bit longer. But yeah, we saw a lot of that this year. A lot of that talk. And fans are very quick to pull the trigger on those types of things. Because the fighters say it and the promotion promotes that as well. Kamar Usman, the greatest welterweight of all time. Like, you hear Ron Perlman say that. It's just not true. It just isn't. But, yeah, there's a lot of that this year. Uh, let's go to Max. Hey, Max. Hey, Keiko, good morning. How's it hanging for you today? Good, my man. How are oh, you? Oh, I'm quite well. I'm actually I'm going to steal a term from you. I'm vacation, Max. I'm on vacation right now. So. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Good for you. I appreciate it, brother. So, yeah, out here in the Caribbean. Nice. So, I have a few questions for you today. So, uh, one, uh, 22 related, then a few for 2023. So, just bear with me for a moment. Uh, For 2022, I would want to ask what your favorite finish of the year was. Maybe not from a media perspective, but maybe, like, if you can reach into your fan part of you and be, wow, like, the moment your jaw dropped, you said, holy shit, that was an insane finish. That was your favorite finish of 2022. So, I'd really be curious to hear about that. Um, As well, what are your thoughts on Kelvin? I mean, we talk so much about Darren Till, but... Man, we, I, it feels like Kelvin Gaslam is kind of on the same type of complete downward trajectory here. I mean, he was doing quite well for himself. I mean, flooring Bisping, I mean, mind you, three weeks after GSP, but flooring Bisping and beating all these, you know, Vitor and all these big names. And then now all of a sudden he's just on this massive skid. I mean, going against Imavov, I think he's going to get smoked, dude. I mean, not to be a dickhead, but I think he's going to get smoked. So it's like, what, what's going to happen? Is, are we going to have a loser leaves town match between Darren Till and Kelvin again? I mean, I, I don't even know what to do with these guys anymore. It's tough. So, yeah, what, what do we think of Kelvin? And um, what do you think would happen if, in the scenario, they do not re-sign Francis, what they do with John? So, yeah, thank you for your time, Mike. Heck of a morning, and I uh, hope you enjoy your holiday season with your family. Cheers. Thanks, man. Uh, it's, I mean, it's Leon Edwards is probably the, the correct answer for the, the holy shit finish of the year. Yuri Prohashka is in second place with the submission. Um. I mean, there are, there are a bunch of them, but those are the two that where I was like, oh, my God. We're actually, like, in a room by myself watching the fights, covering it for the site, where I actually just jumped up and down and screamed, being the only one in the room. And then realizing my family's probably sleeping in, in another room and I don't want to wake them up. Those are the two, 100%. For Gasolum, I mean, I'd like to see him go down to 170 as well, but I kind of feel like at this point, in his career, what is he, 30, he's 31. I mean, I guess he could do it, but boy, the Imovov matchup is really tough. It's a really awful matchup for him. Yeah, I, I don't know. He'll be, if it goes the way I think it will, he'll be one in six over seven fights. Oof. It's tough. I don't know. I don't know where he goes from here, honestly. 
Yeah. It's a tough one. It's a tough one. He's in a tough spot too. Anthony, what's up? Good morning. I just uh, uh I had two uh two kind of groups today. Uh some some dark horse super, superlatives that won't win in like the public size, but like in your heart it wins or like or maybe you know the fighter, or, like you you just like enrooted in their backstory and you just like kind of kind of just root for him or something. Uh mine was uh moment of the year, Nate Diaz. Uh him his just walkout and his post fight. I think uh, yeah, obviously everybody's gonna have Leon and then uh, KO of the year, Molly McCann, and then card of the year was uh London in March and uh rookie of the year, Jack Della Maddalena. And uh if you had a magic wand for twenty twenty three, um what would you make? I would make uh McGregor and D S three and then I would add sixty five and ninety five. It's pretty crazy how there's not ninety five yet because I was looking back at all the old UFCs and uh, in the first fight night ever, it was like in the fifties. It was like in the numbered fifties. It was like the first fight night. And uh, Joe, Joe Rogan even says on the fucking podcast or on the broadcast. Oh yeah. You know, there's not a one ninety five now, but you know, as the sport grows sooner or later, there'll be one and there still isn't one. So it's pretty crazy. Anyways, that's it. Just the uh, magic wand and some, uh, some superlatives, some dark horse ones you got. Thank you, bro. Have a heck of a morning. Have a heck of a vacation. <laughs> Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, listen, you can't go wrong with either of those picks. You can make make a case for all of them. Yeah, Nate's Nate's moment. I feel like kind of doesn't get enough attention or enough credit because the UFC tried to do him really dirty, and the MMA gods smiled upon us. And this is a I guess if there's a superlative is that the MMA gods for the most part were, were pretty kind. They were pretty kind because even with this whole, like with the whole Nate thing, it all worked out. Ends up fighting Tony Ferguson and ends up getting a finish and going out and like, even on, it kind of goes out in good terms with the UFC, like where the door is open to come back, even though they, they kind of screwed him over and they just, they just had to like, wave the white flag around it, it was just poetic justice and then even with the whole 282 debacle with the light heavyweight title and yuri having to vacate and well we're going to just crown a new champion here and then it didn't happen like that's that's awesome like glover jamal hill is just it, it, glover to got hosed out of this whole situation and now glover's going to get a title shot against jamal hill and Jamal Hill is, is really good. He's super dangerous. But Glover's probably going to win that fight and be the champion. It's just insane. It's just insane. So I guess like my superlative is that the MMA gods were very positive when they're never positive. The MMA gods are never positive. And they were positive a couple of times this year. But I like those other picks. There's the other question I forgot to answer from Max was, you know, if Francis doesn't resign, what are they going to do? They'll probably just do John Jones versus Curtis Blades for the title. I know that's what I've been told is a possibility. Um, but I don't know. But who the hell knows? This is before like Sergey Pavlovich almost killed Tai Tuivasa, and who knows what's going to happen there. But yeah. 
All right, let's go to Chase, and then I got to get out of here. Chase, hello. What's up, Mike? What's going on, man? So I don't have a question for you, but I really just wanted to come on and say thank you to you and everyone at MMA Fighting. Uh, I found out about you guys this year, and, I mean, you've just made every card so much better. Getting to watch you guys build up to it. Um, yeah, that's all I really wanted to say is just thank you for all the hard work you guys put in. Well, I appreciate that, man. Um, that's very nice. See, the MMA gods are, are nice. People don't say nice things to us all the time, and I appreciate that very much. Yeah, I I, I feel like – maybe I'm biased, but I feel like I'm on the – I am surrounded by the absolute best of this business. The fact that I, for a living, get to host this show and do the show with AK, my best friend, on to the next one. Uh, it's one of my favorite times of the year, even when we're on, like, no sleep. The fact that – we get to do that show Sunday mornings after an event and do matchmaking. And so many of you guys become a part of it by putting out your suggestions. It's just so fun. And then doing BTL and we have Jed, Woody page, Bashu jumping in there. And dude, I just feel like the content's been great. Um, it's, it's very easy to be in my spot where I could just throw it to those guys for the most part, just drive the train. And then they're the actual party. If you will, it's just, it's just, uh, I'm blessed. I'm blessed in a lot of ways. Um, yeah, but I appreciate that very much. And I got some big ideas for 2023. Hopefully we can make them happen. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm very excited to for, for 2023 and what we're going to be able to do with the squad. But I appreciate the kind words. And with that, I'm going to bring in Hendo Slice. Now you're all wanting to come in. I'm trying to get out of here, and you're all jumping in. I'm just kidding. Henderson, what's up? Mike, heck of a morning. Thanks so much for uh, doing the show this year. That was so awesome. And uh, it's been so nice to actually have a radio show for MMA people because that is something I've always wanted. And, you know, I'm from the New York area. You're from the Boston area. I feel like MMA gets discussed on sports radio about one time a year, maybe. Yeah. So this has been awesome. And uh, I called in two weeks ago. I said Wonderboy was going to do it. And then I predicted uh, Taporia was going to beat Bryce Mitchell. And then I was about to call in and say Cannoneer was going to beat Sean Strickland. And uh, the MMA gods interfered. James Krause investigation interfered. They wouldn't let me spit that knowledge. So while I'm feeling hot, I just got to put one last prediction out before the end of the year. And that's for the next UFC, I think UFC 300, Jim Miller versus Faber, double retirement fight. Let's do it. All right. Well, Mike had a great year. Uh, keep up the great work. Bye. Thanks, man. Thanks, man. Yeah. How about that? That'd be interesting. Yeah, Jim Miller's fighting the UFC 300 people. It's going to happen. I don't know if Faber's going to be there, but Miller will definitely be there. But I'm down for that. Sign me up. All right, four-quarter sports. Mike, heck of a morning. Good to see you back. Um, just wanted to chime in. For, tw for 2023, Is can you just give me like a, a rundown of like three fights that either it's already booked or potentially in the books that you're really looking forward to? And um, 
I know that what's it called? Uh, the the Brazil card is is going to be coming up. I just want to know, like, what is it? You know, who do you have favored in the matchup between Figgy and um, and um, Moreno in part four? And then, who is the sleeper as a potential, you know, um, what's it called fighter of the year in twenty twenty three? All right, thanks, Mike. Hmm. First question I already answered earlier, so I'll leave that one alone. I, I Figgy Moreno is interesting because if we weren't dealing with this whole James Krause situation, I would comfortably pick Moreno because I thought Moreno won the last fight too. But I, I think I'm going to lead Figgy on this one. I just not saying Moreno can't like get over it mentally. But he basically like uprooted his whole career to be able to work with James and work at Glory MMA. And then a little over six, seven weeks, and he probably, maybe this is before, a couple months before the biggest fight of his career, he can't be coached by the guy that he changed his whole life to be able to work with. It's just, I don't know. That's got to affect you a lot. So I will lean Figgy uh, for a lot of those reasons. Figgy, I thought Figgy fought great at UFC 270. I thought that fight doesn't get enough credit for like fight of the year contenders because it was so early in the year. But that one, I believe, is in my top five, which you'll hear on BTL. But yeah, it's probably Figgy. Sleeper fighter of the year. That's a good one. I would say Armand Sarukian. I just don't know if he's going to get the fights to get him there. I think he's going to have a really tough time getting matchups. I'm going to say, and this probably isn't a sleeper. I'll say Shafkat Rachmanov. If he could fight three times this year, I think, and he's not really a sleeper, but I feel like he could be the dude. I feel like he could be the dude. I think Gregory Rodriguez could be a guy that could get there as well. Because he's a super active guy. He's got a big one with Brad Tavares right off the bat. I don't know. I have to dig in that a little bit more. But And if we're going to throw sleepers out there, and I know he's fighting for the belt, but if, I'll tell you what, if Jamal Hill beats Glover Teixeira, he's, he's going to have a, a, a case to be made as well right off the bat because – I don't know how they match him up moving forward, but you go out there and you beat Glover and you become the champion the first pay-per-view of the year, you're the front runner. That's for sure. But we'll see. That's an interesting question. It might not even come from the UFC. Could could come from Bellator. Could be Usman or Magomedov. He could just run through that whole Bellator lightweight Grand Prix and just crush everybody. Very possible. There's a lot that could happen. But, all right, we're done. Uh, this will be, this. I believe this will be the last show of the year. Uh, for this particular program. So I appreciate uh, you guys just jumping on. I'd love to be able to do something more with this. I don't know what we're going to do. Uh, I'd love to, like, I'm hoping with all of the trials and tribulations of Elon Musk's Twitter that maybe he can do Twitter spaces 
like through a desktop so we can have better audio quality. I'd love that. So I don't have to do it through my headphones, but we'll see. Uh, AK and I will have BTL later on today. Podcast form. It'll be a lot of fun. We'll have our award show December 27th. So stay tuned for that. And I believe we'll start issuing our awards uh, on Christmas, starting on Sunday. So stay tuned for that as well. All right, Tom, trying to skip my exit, and here you are. Tom, are you there? Yeah, the sleeper for 2023 is Santos. That's all I wanted to say. She will... Talia Santos. She's my pick for next year. Yeah, yeah. 100%, mate. 100%. I, I like that pick. Could be Aaron Blanchfield. It could be Aaron Blanchfield. Who the hell knows? That fight could determine it. It could determine it. All right. But thank you very much. Like I said, you're the best. Without you guys, the show is impossible. Whether it's here or on the podcast, we appreciate it very much. Uh, you're the best. So have a great, great rest of the holidays. And I'll see you guys back, I think, New Year's Eve. I'm back for the uh, Bellator Ryzen festivities, and we'll have some fun watching that. So thank you all very much. Have a heck of a morning, and have a heck of a holiday season. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise Flagship Fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com slash Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise Flagship Fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com slash Flagship. This is a paid advertisement.